0: And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture. Here he is, Michael Savage. Once again, we're speaking with a man who I consider to be a hero of mine, Colonel Douglas McGregor. He's a retired U.S. Army colonel, an author, consultant, and a Ph.D. But more than that, he's an active Spokesman for the truth. How do you take a man who graduated from the U.S. Military Academy at West Point with a bachelor's in general engineering, who also earned his PhD from the University of Virginia, who has written many books? Not only that, but he directed uh, the Battle of 73 Easting during the Gulf War. This is an astounding man, one of the true Americans, and yet they disparage him wherever you turn, they call him every name under the sun. If you look at Wikipedia, it says his commentary has been noted for disparaging Ukraine, immigrants and refugees. Isn't that shocking? In other words, when he tells the truth about Ukraine, when he tells the truth about the broken borders, when he tells the truth about the bums living in hotels instead of working, that makes him a villain. No, he's not the villain. He's the hero. This is my new interview with the great colonel. Douglas McGregor right now on the Michael Savage podcast.
1: Savage.
0: Michael Savage, a host like no other.
1: This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com.
0: Middle East on the brink. North Korea on the brink. Colonel McGregor, sir. Always a pleasure. It's nice to see you, too. The man who never stops working, Colonel Douglas McGregor.
1: Well, we could say that about you, too.
0: (laughs) Well, it's up to God, by the way, at this point. Well, everything always is. (laughs) Isn't that something? Uh, You know, Colonel, before we began, I went on to (laughs) Wikipedia to just see how they twisted your life. Oh, it's a shocker to me. I mean, I know they've done it to me my whole life, but how could they twist the things you've done so completely? I haven't,
1: com- I haven't checked it lately. What are they saying? Well,
0: I'm le- reading one here. His commentary has been noted for disparaging Ukraine immigrants and refugees. <laughs> I said, let's start with Ukraine, meaning telling the truth about Zelensky and the fact that these poor Ukrainians are dying like flies in a petri dish. Uh, immigrants, you mean the wonderful non working uh, folks that Biden's bringing over by the millions who are living in hotel rooms are not working. And you mean refugees? What are you talking about? Everything is backwards. Colonel, welcome to the program. Let's no, begin with right. the real stuff, Colonel. You did a YouTube piece the other day. Is the Ukraine war lost? Can you give us a short version of that, please?
1: Well, I think uh, the short version is that Russia has been fighting a defensive war. And allowing the Ukrainians to impale themselves on Russian defenses. And they have employed all the modern technology available from overhead space based surveillance uh, and every conceivable form of long range precision strike. And the Ukrainians are now looking at, I think the latest count was an estimated 400,000 dead. Oh, God. Uh, a satellite a picture sent to me recently showed 123,000. Freshly dug graves in Ukraine for Ukrainian soldiers. I
0: posted that and people don't believe me. I said, you know, you can't hide graves with new satellite imagery. And I had an estimate with another gentleman who who was on, who I think is a colleague of yours, Larry Johnson, I believe. Oh, yeah. Larry's very solid. Larry said 350,000 to me last week. Yeah. And now 400,000. And we're seeing estimates of what from the media? Colonel,
1: oh well, I wouldn't worry about anything that comes out of the mainstream media because uh, only three or four Ukrainians were accidentally injured in their attack on Russian defenses, and uh, five five hundred thousand Russians are dead as a result. That's absurd.
0: They twisted their ankles on the way over the barriers to kill those nasty, evil Russians. That's this right. is a very serious story. When you have three hundred and forty, three or fifty to four hundred thousand dead Ukrainian men, the country is a very small country. At the end of the day, uh. This country can never, ever find the manpower and are using the word manpower to restore its agricultural and industrial base. Can it?
1: Seems unlikely because the 14 plus million that have left the country, regardless of where they go, have all said the same thing. We will never go back. OK, if so this was a able-
0: massive blunder on the part of the West in plain English. Oh, and, I, absolutely. And we absolutely. understand that by provoking this war. For whatever the reasons are inside the heads of these lunatics, they never admit they're wrong and
1: they only double down, don't they? Oh, of course. Absolutely. In fact, there's a an article that just came out in The Atlantic written by, I think it's Jeff Goldberg and Ann Applebaum, who are two card carrying globalists, neocons, whatever you want to call them. I don't know what they, what you call them anymore other than lunatics. And uh, they are absolutely uh, convinced that uh, Ukraine is going to come through all of this and eventually strike back and retake, quote unquote, Crimea. Now, wait a minute. These are two idiots
0: from New York City, from the Upper East Side, no doubt, who have never slipped on a banana peel and hurt their asses on the pavement. And they're now dictating what's happening
1: in the war. Well, you know, who knows? Uh, I mean, Ann Applebaum married the former uh, foreign minister of Poland. Uh, so we can only uh, speculate about the influence of that incentive. Oh, the interlocking
0: everything. marriage directorates. That's a joke. Uh, yeah. Boy, it's really becoming nepotism everywhere you turn, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I, I think the bottom line for your audience is very straightforward, and that is that, yes, this war is effectively lost. However, every attempt that has been made to negotiate an end to this has been spurned by the West. Washington continues to insist that there can be no negotiated settlement uh, until, obviously, all the Russians have been driven from sacred Ukrainian soil, which, of course, is nonsense. But uh, the, the problem is, if you're sitting in Moscow and you listen to this, you say, well, obviously, we can't win this war by simply defending what we have. We're going to have to advance. And they have begun advancing up in the northeastern corner of their defense uh, just south of Kharkov, and uh, they're moving west and a little bit north. It's a slow grind. They're deliberately moving their integrated air defenses and their strike assets forward so that their ground forces are protected. And And they're not meeting a great deal of resistance. A lot of Ukrainian forces are melding away. Uh, Ukrainians are now s- surrendering in company-sized elements. That's anywhere from 100 to 200 men at a time. Wait, how... how- just giving up because they know they're going to be mince made into mincemeat. I, I think there that's part of it. I also think there's a lot of disillusionment with the with the entire war. There's a growing awareness that they are being essentially consigned to death for no good reason. Cannon fodder. And they have lots of people who are wounded. And a, a Ukrainian officer looks and says, I want to evacuate. my wounded? And he's told, no, we can't evacuate it. You're you got going to have to fight on. And so Wait, minute, it sounds like Hitler. Oh, it's worse. It's worse. Well, wait, I mean, wait, even the Germans, very serious. even right. the Germans attempted to get their wounded out, for God's sakes. Well, are you saying the Zelensky regime is prohibiting retreat? Well, I think they've, they've been trying to stop it at every turn, and they're shooting people, jailing people, imprisoning people, forcing people into the ranks. Uh, they've reached all the way to the Carpathian Mountains to force people into the Ukrainian army now. Listen, this this war is a catastrophe for Ukraine. The Ukrainian nation has been destroyed, even if it stopped tomorrow morning. How long would any of this take to recover? I mean, I, I read a very strange article that was in the British MOD website. And this British military analyst, or at least claims to be a military analyst, says that, well, one of the problems the Ukrainians have faced in southern Ukraine is that the agricultural area, in other words, the fields, have have been fallow for 18 months. And with all of this rain, there has been growth in those fields of lots of shrubbery. And the shrubbery makes it harder for the Ukrainians to identify Russian soldiers fighting them. This has held back the Ukrainians. Now stop and consider this absurd statement. Uh, this is a sort of nonsense that passes for serious analysis. No, wait, the shrubs are
0: preventing the Ukrainians from defeating the Russians.
1: Y- yes, that's that's one of the. It's the weeds that did it. Yeah, the weeds are growing. I think it's, it's the weed that they're smoking. In,
0: I think it's the weed that they're smoking in the United States Defense Department. Frankly,
1: well, I'm sure there's a lot of that up at the top in uh, Kiev too. So. Look this this thing is over there's no question about it and everybody in Washington i think is scrambling they're trying to figure out how do we how do we conceal this catastrophe from the american people uh, as well as from europe and escape from the disaster that we've created for ourselves savage
0: the savage nation it's savage on demand well, colonel aren't aren't are there Peace talks ongoing somewhere right now. I, I read recently that there well, were not awesome that I'm
1: aware of. Uh, I
0: don't know. I heard that there was some kind of back channel peace discussions, but who would know what's really going on? So the, the latest provocation that really worried me over the weekend were the drone attacks uh, by Ukraine using NATO provided storm shadow missiles. I think those are Anglo French creations. Yes. And yeah. they they hit a bridge called the Chonbar, Chonhar Bridge. Mm-hmm. which links the Crimean Peninsula to uh, um, Ukraine and the southern Kherson region. I said, who the hell is telling? First of all, we were told that the weapons we were sending Zelensky would only be used defensively. That, that was the first big lie by the U.S. Defense Department. Never aggressive, never, you know, aggressively. Right. Well, now they're using these advanced storm shadow missiles to blow up a major bridge. What do they think Putin
1: is going to do? Well, we've seen over the last 48 hours what he's going to do, and he essentially launched uh, dozens and dozens of cruise missiles and drones and other forms of uh, precision munitions at a whole range of targets across Ukraine, all the way out to the border with Romania and Poland. So, you know, we know what he's doing, and he's destroying whatever he can find on the ground that supports the Ukrainian war, any equipment that's coming in, any ammunition storage, and now command and control sites. You know, this is, this is a pointless endeavor on the Western side, but here's the bad news. There are a lot of storm shadow missiles out there. And even though the Russians out of, say, 15 storm shadow missiles shoot down all but three, the problem is three still get through. And we, that when I say we, I'm talking about the United States, France, and and Great Britain are still pushing more and more of these cruise missiles. We may have another 100 or 150 of these available that can be given to the Ukrainians. This doesn't change the outcome of any war. This doesn't alter the situation on the battlefield. It will not save the Zelensky regime, but it prolongs the misery. And it makes it increasingly clear to the Russians that they don't have much choice in the matter. They're going to have to march west. And see, they, they already have in draft legislation that would add another 500,000 mobilized reservists to the Russian forces. The Russians have 750,000 right now in and around Ukraine. In other words, in Russia, in Belarusia, and in southern Ukraine. Of that number, at least 300,000 are sitting in a reserve They have not been employed. They're being held back because of Putin's concern that we may try to intervene in the West on the ground,
0: uh, Colonel. That's what worries me the most. If I'm trying to put my head into the mind of the of the fraternity boys uh, in the Biden administration who are orchestrating this insanity, and I look at them and I see fraternity boys who actually look like fraternity boys pretending to be world leaders on the world stage, they're liable to escalate and say, "Why don't we just go ahead?" and send american air power in there and get this over with. I'm sure some of them have said that colonel.
1: Oh, I think you're you're absolutely right and I think that's been considered but thus far rejected. I mean, we all we can do is hope that that we continue to reject that option because that opens up really all of western and most of eastern europe to russian attack because of all the airfields, airstrips, airports that can be used. And remember the the russian caliber missile it has a huge thousand pound warhead on it. It could be conventional or it, can, or it can carry a nuclear warhead. Right now, we know the nuclear warheads are in storage, but that caliber cruise missile can be launched from Russia and hit virtually any target in Europe from Norway to Spain. So how about do you... The, 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 the Russians
0: pack? have a phenomenal uh, uh, um, submarine fleet, as do we.
1: Yeah, their, their submarine fleet is good, but I would argue ours is better. Uh, it's just not large enough. We, we, we need more submarines than we have. But the Russian submarine fleet poses a very serious threat. This is the problem with, oh, well, we'll just, we'll just send in our conventional force to buttress the Ukrainians, Poles, or whoever else is there. Well, how do you get your reinforcements across the ocean? We can only fly a fraction of forces across the ocean. The vast majority of equipment and people have to go how? Overseas. How do you cross the oceans when it's full of Russian submarines? Answer, you don't.
0: Colonel, this past week, we saw a joint show of force off Alaska with combined forces of Russia and China on the seas. I'm not surprised by this, but Ice Cream Joe has now unified China and Russia, who were actually not allies before this this expedition into uh, Ukraine-Russia. Now we've driven China and Russia together. Where do you think this is going, Colonel?
1: Well, you've gotta get Americans to understand that contrary to their assumptions, we are not always the the guys with the white hats that ride in as everybody's liberator. And frankly speaking, for decades now, we have behaved much like the schoolyard bully who goes. Oh, come on, and, you
0: can't say that. Now you're oh. now you're now you're Putin's stooge, aren't you? Yeah, Colonel? well. You
1: know. OK, then let's all let's all be stooges. But the bottom line is no, uh, who's
0: Zelensky's stooge in the media? you know, every time I get that on Twitter or Facebook, you're a yeah. stooge. You know what I say to yeah. them? No. Peace is patriotic. Hillary Clinton. She said that during the Iraq war. So I quote peace is patriotic by Hillary Clinton.
1: And they usually stop. Yeah, it's 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 a good motto. And it's true. Hell, that was that's been good for the entire 20th century in most cases. But nobody does it. No, I think the problem is that we we have been behaving like a schoolyard bully. Do what we say or we punch you in the nose. We usually- Look, what they
0: did. Look what they did to Serbia. You know, I was the only one in the media over 68 days during the bombing. I was literally bleeding on the air, screaming against this, because I know the Serbian people were our allies in World War II. They rescued our airmen in World War II. they They're wonderful people. They're patriotic people. And here we were supporting basically the Muslim mafia from Kosovo. Uh, in, in in stealing a piece of Serbia that had been a part of Serbia since the 13th century. But I was screaming into the wind. I just found out that you, I think, shared a similar opinion. I, I saw well, that. I, did, but I
1: was on active duty at the time, and I didn't have much choice in the matter. I gave my recommendations to the Supreme Commander Europe, General West Clark, and I oh. urged that we not, under any circumstances, bomb Serbia. But I don't think it was in his hands, to be frank. That decision was made in Washington. And I think Berger and oh. uh, Gore and Albright and a Sandy Berger, of- Mr. Socks, Yeah, all of those people were involved and they wanted desperately this war with Serbia. They saw it as an opportunity to administer uh, some kind of object lesson that, that ultimately would be interpreted in Moscow as a warning. These uh, you know, I wrote always- an article.
0: I wrote an article at the time calling The Oily Tracks Run Through Kosovo, and it was about an oil pipeline that ran through Kosovo. It was about oil in some ways, I thought. What do you think?
1: Well, I don't think so. I think it simply had much more to do with the fact that this was another convenient cause that the left in uh, Washington, and I shouldn't say left, it's back to the Uniparty, because you had people like uh, John McCain and Lindsey Graham who were urging that we bomb. Uh, the Serbs over Kosovo, anyone who spoke up and urged moderation. And by the way, the German government never gets credit for this, but privately they were willing to put up enormous sums of money in order to build new cities, new towns, new, new residences for various people to move them around so that they would feel secure in their respective areas in Kosovo. Of course, that meant some form of partition which both the Serbs at the time and subsequently the uh, Kosovo Albanians were willing to accept some form of partition, we sabotaged that and insisted that, no, we were going to create this new multi-ethnic, multinational state where everyone would be forced to live together, whether they liked it or not. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I I think we need to go back and understand that Serbia really was a sort of testing ground For what ultimately has happened in ukraine it was a prelude we didn't see it that way at the time but if you look at the media they were screaming at the tops of their lungs about so-called serb atrocities and when we looked at these things carefully we didn't see uh, the evidence for the atrocities on a scale that were argued and we're hearing about about russian
0: atrocities right now over and over again the same big lie
1: yeah it is it's a big lie but, you know, this This is the problem. We are dealing with a, a group of people in power in Washington who are losing power. Let's face it. The United States is in a deplorable condition. Mm. We're watching this business of going, to de, going through de-dollarization and gold back in much of the world. It's just beginning. It hasn't reached fruition, but it is beginning. This is a direct challenge to our financial hegemony, which is vitally important to us, given our miserable condition in terms of sovereign national debt. Then we have the military problem. We have really gutted the armed forces in so many ways, harmed it in moral terms, uh, harmed its discipline, its fighting power, yet we're spending almost a trillion dollars on it. And we openly admit that if we had to fight the Russians or the Chinese or both, that we would lose.
0: You mean the you mean the new military couldn't beat the Russians to death with the high heels that are being issued?
1: Apparently not. Savage,
0: the Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. Colonel, let's take a pause of speaking with the great Colonel Douglas McGregor, and CNN just even CNN, as left wing as it is, just released their own poll, which states that. The majority of Americans oppose oppose more U.S. aid for Ukraine in their war with Russia, and yet the Pentagon, Congress, Biden, and the media are so removed from the people's will they won't even quote a CNN poll. So are the people coming to understand this is a a lost cause that could lead to World War Three?
1: Oh, I think so. I mean, the same thing is happening today in Poland, where the Polish population over fifty percent have now said okay, you can continue to supply things to Ukraine, but please, we don't want to become part of the war. And more recently, the various participants in the elections that are coming in the fall in Poland have now taken a position that Poland is more important than Ukraine, that Poland comes before Ukraine. Isn't that an interesting idea? It's called Poland first. Gee. Uh, things, things are definitely happening across Europe as well as here in the United States. But again, Who has the money? The donors have the money. Who are the donors? The donors call the tune. People in Washington respond to donors. And then there's this other really extremely dangerous aspect of of the whole thing, which is, well, okay, things aren't going so well in Ukraine. We've done the best we can. These Ukrainians couldn't make it happen. But stand by. We have a new dangerous enemy threatening the entire world and civilization as we know it. It's called China. Oh, yeah. And so we see 11 ships that are exercising in the Bering Strait, uh, Russian and uh, Chinese ships, and we are alarmed. We don't bother to point out to people that we routinely sail close to China with various naval flotillas, that our subs cruise the waters, that our carrier battle groups cruise nearby. We were just in the Taiwan Strait with some warships. So the, the attitude in China now is, well, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. If you're going to do this to us, we're going to start doing this to you. This is the sort of mindlessness and stupidity
0: that leads to war. This led to World War One. I've said it from the beginning, and I'm just an amateur student looking in. I, I read widely, but I'm not a military man, but I studied World War I in detail. And I know about the guns of August. And I know how it started with one little one event of an assassination of the Archduke Then this country reacted, then that country reacted that country. And before you knew it, millions of men were slaughtered
1: and turned into fertilizer. Well, to reinforce your point, uh, before Bismarck was fired by the second German emperor in 1889, Wilhelm II walked into his meeting with Bismarck and boasted that he has just sent his newest German warships into the Baltic.
0: (laughs) And Bismarck
1: was horrified and said, why? He said, well, it's time these Russians knew who we were and that we're, we are our own power in the Baltic. I see. And Bismarck said, that is a serious mistake. The Russians are insecure. No one wants to be reminded of their own weakness. And that's what you have done. Oh, You wow. need to get our ships out of the Baltic immediately. Well, you know, this was the problem that the Kaiser had completely misread the Russians, misread Britain, misread France. Everybody misread Germany. The Kaiser was very proud of his Navy, but that didn't mean he wanted a war. He certainly didn't. Bismarck was the only adult in the room, and Bismarck said, this is nonsense. Why are we cruising up and down the Chinese coast? Why are we behaving that there is an imminent attack ready to go against Taiwan when there isn't? Is not. No. And the people on Taiwan aren't interested in a war with China. If anything... If they put it to a referendum, I would bet heavily that they would willingly join China, provided the Chinese treat them as they already do, essentially as business partners. Trade with them, but don't insist on ruling them constantly from the lowest to the highest level. I don't think
0: Jake Sullivan agrees with your viewpoint. Uh,
1: (laughs) Well, there there you go. I'm going to worry about that now. I probably won't sleep tonight.
0: People don't even know who he is, but he's the one who looks like... um the fellow from Laurel and Hardy, the skinny one. Stan Every time Laurel. I see Jake Sullivan, he looks like that character from Laurel and Hardy. I think it's Stan Laurel, only well, he's not Stan a Laurel comedian. he's Laurel was
1: actually more articulate in many
0: <laughs> But But this is not a, not a comedy act. This is life and death. 400,000 dead Ukrainians, thirty to 40,000 dead Russians, satellite imagery of new graves being dug in Ukraine uh, show this to be the case. 50,000 Americans were killed in the vietnam war and that was a national tragedy that ripped the hearts out of many americans now multiply that by ten fold with a country one quarter the size population of this country and maybe the american idiot will understand there's more to life than what's on TikTok or someone's abs or breasts i've never seen anything like this and it's only going to get worse i think we have to say that uh we have no leadership but who is the adult in the room is there anyone saying stop the war before it's too late in the administration that you know of
1: no on the contrary i noted uh, there was some republican named sullivan from alaska who was applauding i saw that you know some sort of robust military response against the evil chinese and russians i for saw that crazy. conducting an exercise in the bering straits in international That's crazy
0: water. i saw that there's not even a republican screaming out against this
1: yeah war has become too profitable War is too rewarding, and they're too dumb to understand that the population of the United States, the overwhelming majority of people in the electorate are not interested in going to war with anybody.
0: You know, Colonel, you're a military guy. I have to keep repeating as a civilian. Um, If I bang my finger in a door jam or while I'm using a hammer and accidentally hit it, it hurts for, for weeks, if not months. That's just as a little hammer on a nail by accident. Do they understand what a battlefield wound looks like or is? No. I don't think so.
1: I think we've lost our fear of war. You know, in the aftermath of World War II, there were generations of Americans who'd served in in the Second World War and then many more that served in Korea. These people had a very clear picture of what war was like. They saw it up close. They didn't want it. That's one of the reasons that Eisenhower was popularly elected You'll remember, he said, I promise I will go to Korea. He didn't say, I'm going to end it. He didn't say, I'm going to attack anybody. He said, I will go. And he went. And uh, Mark Clark, of course, was the new commander at that point on the Korean peninsula. And he received a briefing from Clark. And Clark's solution to the war in Korea was that he needed 850,000 men in the Eighth Army in order to march into Manchuria and end the war. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, Eisenhower was polite to him, but he walked out of the tent and said, we've lost our minds. The United States isn't interested in going to war with China. We don't even want to be at war in Korea. And all you had to do was look at the polls, and it was overwhelmingly anti-war. And he said, that's it. I want an end to this. So I want a negotiated settlement based on the original status quo. And he was attacked. People attacked him and said, well, you're a coward. You know, here's Eisenhower. You're a coward. You know, the man that ordered Normandy is a coward. It's absurd. Uh, We we can go on and on about this this nonsense, but this is what happens. Fortunately, most Americans agreed with Eisenhower, and it went away. It was dredged up subsequently, we know, by LBJ and that crowd, and it, it turned into a new catastrophe that never needed to happen. Savage.
0: Michael Savage, a host like no other. Colonel, I'm hearing you. You know, you're you're a military man and a scholar a warrior and a scholar. What I see happening is that the 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 instability that has been created by the Ukraine Russia war is sending nervous waves throughout the entire population on the Earth. And so smaller wars are now brewing because of that war in Ukraine Russia. Most notably, we mentioned Serbia. I know there's trouble there, but on a larger scale is the Niger problem in Africa. Uh, the Niger coup and Mark Wauk noted that Niger is rich in resources and a possible front in a World War three scenario. Niger provides almost all the uranium that France uses for its nuclear power plants, for example. Are we about to now send more? We have a base in Niger, don't we?
1: Well, we have uh, we built a very, very uh, wonderful airfield there that uh, allows us to bring in and fly on Enormous quantities of equipment and freight. If we need to, it's in other words, it's a very militarily, it's strategically very useful to us. The thing that we have to keep in mind about this part of the world is that the French have very large investments, not just in Niger but in the countries that surround it. This is, you know, what you you will remember as Afrique du Nord. This was part of the French Empire in Africa. When the French agreed to decolonize, they had certain Codicils and arrangements that allowed French businesses to continue to enjoy access and, in many cases, monopolies. What's happened now is that the Africans who lived there have said, Enough's enough. We want you out. We're sick of it. And we happen to be closely aligned with the French. We've worked with them against our mutual Islamist enemies. And what we haven't figured out is that you go into an area with the object of killing Islamists, and there were no Islamists when you went in. But by the time you get ready to leave, the place is full of them. Well, this is North Africa. This is exactly what's happened in Niger and elsewhere. I listened to the uh, military leader who uh, spoke in Niger through a translator, spoke very eloquently. And he said, look, Africa belongs to the Africans. You've got to get out. We're not going to tolerate it anymore. It's very simple. And I'm very sympathetic to him. I I agree with him. And I argued when I was on active duty against this thing called Africa. I said, Africa command. If you were living in Africa and you found out that the United States, the world's leading superpower, had stood up a military command called Africa command, how would you feel? Well, it's just like the Africa Corps on the Hitler, isn't it? Well, it's a lot worse. Hitler (laughs) only had 32,000 men in that thing. You know, the problem is that we've, decided to control an entire continent if we're able to do so. And we've been pouring resources. And remember, all these people that we have been training, all these officers that we have been working hard to, quote unquote, democratize. Yeah. They're the ones that have launched these coups. We don't understand the underlying dynamics. We just refuse to come to terms with reality people don't understand how important it is for us to demilitarize our relations with most of the world. We were really, really popular before World War II over most of the world because we didn't become involved in other people's business. We weren't invading their countries and trying to take them over. Everybody knew we were trying to get out of the Philippines within a year of having decided to occupy the place.
0: You know i mean it was so yeah colonel i'm hearing this is a history repeating it so the militarists seem to always win they lead us into war millions are killed lands are decimated and then all of a sudden people want peace and then there's a small window of a few years 10 years maybe of no major conflict it looks like we're entering a new major conflict one way or the other whether it's russia china or both and now we look at the middle east colonel 3000 u.s military arrived in the Red Sea as tensions rise with Iran. Yeah. Are there any other motives for sending these troops into the uh, Red I, Sea? What? What? I, I'm sorry, in the area? What's going
1: on in the Middle East now? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't sign on for this. Look, the Iranians came to arrangements with the Peninsular Arabs. And the Peninsular Arabs now, surprise, surprise, have decided to renounce the Abraham Accords, Wow. They're effectively walking away from them.
0: That's horrible. After Trump brought the Arabs and Jews together.
1: Yeah, well, he was trying very hard to f- fashion a new status quo. He would have also approached Iran, I think, and we would be in a better place with Iran as well. But that was sabotaged by Pompeo and Bolton and others. Oh. We also went through the same sabotage effort when it came to North Korea. In other words, anybody who wanted to promote some degree of stability based on relations other than military ones has failed because the money is on the side of militarization of policy here we go again follow
0: the money so colonel before we go put on your um crystal ball hat you've seen it all you've lived it you've seen it you've studied it knowing history and knowing the battlefield what's going to
1: happen I think that we in the United States are finally going to confront limits to how much money we can print mm. and how much further into debt we can go. That is going to operate as a break on much of our act- activity. That's one thing. The second part of it is the situation here inside the United States, the breakdown in the rule of law. No more. The discontent in this country with everything from open borders and millions of people pouring in that we know nothing about, you know, the fact that, you know, we have no legislation that says until every American citizen who wants to work and can work has a job, no one comes in. Gee, mm. think about that. Is mm. that an idea? Mm-hmm. Uh, we, you know, we we are going to run up against a brick wall of our own making, right? People are complaining, well, look what the Chinese are doing to our 401ks. They're not doing anything to our 401ks. The people on Wall Street have done that to you. If you don't like where your money is being invested, talk to the people on Wall Street who are doing it to you. There's no sense there there is a growing sense now finally I think that we are the authors of our own problems and that will help. But consider this for a minute. And this is a, a strategic viewpoint that is missing in Washington. You've talked about the fact that we now have multiple nations with nuclear weapons. We have Russia, we have China, we have the United States, we have India, Pakistan, Great Britain, France, North Korea. If you look at the scientific, industrial, and agricultural output of Northeast Asia, in other words, China, Korea, and Japan, then look at the same thing in Europe and North America, you very quickly ascertain that 80 plus percent of the world's technology its advances in every, consider, every conceivable scientific area, all of it revolves around those, those two regions in the world. And I would include Israel, for instance, with Europe and North America, culturally. So the point is, if you look at those two regions and you realize the planet's future depends upon what those two regions do in science, technology, agriculture, energy, and so forth. Why? Under any circumstances, would you promote conflict between those two civilizational constructs? You'd be insane to do it because if we end up in a major war with each other, the planet is going to face despair, famine, and catastrophe. So, are you fearing that that's what will happen, knowing history? Well, I, I fear that there's no no one like Bismarck in the councils of government. Mm who says, wait a minute, you know, be sensitive to the to the countries that surround you, be sensitive to their interests and needs. You know, I I love love President Trump and I supported him and I still do. But he keeps talking about his good personal relations with Xi and good personal relations with Putin. Look, that's all nonsense. Mm -hmm. Everything is about strategic interests. Mm -hmm. If we We'll look at their strategic interests in our own. We will discover very quickly that we can come to some sort of modus vivendi that we can all live with. Mm. That's what diplomats get paid to do. And that's what we desperately need.
0: Well, when Kissinger came out six or so months ago and called for a peace talks, he was called every name under the sun by the American left and right. And of course, as I've said, not so comedically, uh, when the G7 meeting was about to occur, he changed his tune because he didn't want to be excluded. He definitely wanted to be invited into the billionaire boys club meeting again at the G7. So suddenly called for for more war. We have no I don't see any diplomacy. Is there any
1: that you know of through your contacts? No, listen, we I I think that Blinken and his friends are in the business of punishing people that don't agree with him in the business. Blinken worked for Obama.
0: Blinken worked for Obama. Is that all I need to say? Probably. But he yep. was
1: also there uh, during the Balkan crisis in the background. Uh, and I know his father played a role in all of this. His father? Yeah, his father, I think, was the ambassador to Hungary. Well, I know
0: that Madeleine Halfbright cheered the war on with that Jamie Rubin moron. This woman is, was a clear and present danger to the stability of the world. They were cheering as the uh, as the bridges over the Danube were being blown up. The Serbs have never had never seen that even when Hitler was there. They didn't blow the bridges up over the Danube. That was Bill Clinton. They took our airplanes and they painted over the U.S. insignia and put on the NATO insignia. You use U.S. air power to attack Serbia. I, I couldn't believe what I was watching. We're not yet there with this situation, but I'm afraid personally we'll soon see that, that they'll repaint our air force planes with NATO insignia and start bombing Russia.
1: That could happen. It won't won't make any difference on radar. Uh, The Russians can identify all of our aircraft on radar. So, you know, they're not going to be fooled by uh, different insignia. Right now, our airborne warning and control systems are identifying targets for the Ukrainians, are directing strikes that the Ukrainians launch. Uh, Like our AWACS or our satellites? Sure. And satellites, our satellites and our airborne warning and control system. And we do this for all of the NATO states as well as for the Ukrainians. So we're we're very active in the Black Sea and the Baltic, all up and down the Russian border uh, with regard to targeting the Russians. So the Russians, they, they know this and so they have decided to exercise restraint. The question
0: could is, how they much sh- longer? Could they shoot down our AWACS? Oh, of course. How, how high do their... Um, Air defense systems fly
1: high enough, up to 40,000 feet. And then they have some that will reach up to low Earth orbit, 70, 80, 90,000 feet. They have the ability to launch special weapons that can attack our satellites. Why haven't haven't they done it? Why haven't they done that? Because they don't want us to attack theirs. And we haven't attacked their satellites. Now, they have jammed a lot of our satellite communications and jammed a lot of our missile systems and aircraft. But uh, in terms of kinetic action, no. They've been very careful to avoid that. And I hope that we can find a way to get out of this before something happens by accident. Somebody pushes the wrong button on the panel.
0: Well, that's a a cheerful thought. Savage. The Savage Nation. It's Savage On Demand we've covered the ground, uh, of the, of the earth. Is there anything I've missed in terms of what might explode in our faces? <laughs> you uh, you're a man who can I'm laugh. Sure. In the, you, you can
1: laugh, you can smile and laugh in the midst of, of this kind of tragic discussion. I'm sure if we look, uh, look closely enough in, into Mexico, Venezuela, oh. Cuba, Nicaragua, we can find lots of activity down there that is very dangerous to the United States.
0: I was told that a lot of the weaponry that we're sending to Ukraine is going on to the black market almost immediately. And I asked another guest, where's it going? They said to the narco terrorists in, in, the, in South America. It, it, can you confirm? Yeah. Is that what's being?
1: I've seen photographs of javelin missiles being in their, their uh, equipment being carried by uh, drug cartel soldiers, if you will.
0: In Those Mexico. are the javelins that we sent to Zelensky's boys? Yes. How are they winding up out, shipped out immediately? What? It-
1: well, a certain amount of uh, equipment never reaches the Ukrainians. Some of it is destroyed, and a lot of it is essentially stolen and then resold overseas. Kosovo is a nice clearinghouse for a lot of these weapons. They go oh down there God. and they find their way into the Middle East or off to Latin America and Africa. Oh. mean this is the problem remember ukraine was the most corrupt country in europe one of the most corrupt in the world and the poorest in europe why are we surprised about any of these things
0: hush hush my friend we must keep these things secret or else we will be accused of being let's see putin stooges defeatists anti-american communists soviet slaves Any, any other slurs that can be cast upon us
1: Well, the next time I'm sure you want to bring a guest on and talk about the Sovietization of American society, because that seems to be a bigger threat right now here at home than anything happening overseas. Colonel, I don't mean to be the one
0: who says it, but I'm going to say it. I wrote a book 10 years ago talking about the USS of a the United United Soviet States of America. I, I amongst many, not many, I amongst a few saw what was coming. Uh, You know, I just had a relative come back from Europe. I must ask you this question, and I don't know how to discuss this without exposing too much personal information. He saw a lack of uh, civil rights and freedom in France and he was shocked as an American who was visiting on a boat. Some gendarmes came aboard this vessel and accused them of things that they didn't do. And I said, "You're lucky they didn't seize the boat for no reason." He said, "We had to pay them when they found there was not, nothing wrong. No, no one did anything wrong." They said, you owe us a thousand euros, seven, seven armed gendarmes on this boat in Monaco. He said, we didn't do anything. They said, we don't care. Pay it or we're going to take your boat. He said, I can't believe that there's absolutely no justice and no freedom. I said, you're very lucky you got out of there with only a thousand euro fine for doing nothing. He said to me that he sees America devolving rapidly into this state of lawlessness and no rights. And I, I am always the eternal optimist, as pessimistic as I can be, saying we're still protected by constitutional rights that the French do not enjoy. And I think that's all we have left. Isn't that true?
1: Well, I've, I try to argue that the Bill of Rights, above all things, is what absolutely must be preserved inside the United States. We talk about the Constitution. The Constitution describes how, how our government will be structured. Mm. You know, we can change that over time. There's nothing sacrosanct about a structure developed in the 1780s. You know, Mm. we can make modifications, but the Bill of Rights is something else. That's something that definitely separates us from most of the rest of the world. And that has to be fought for. And right now, that's under attack in this country. All you have to do is look at the censorship. Well, a
0: Bill of Rights. Didn't the uh, British have the Magna Carta that ruled the land for so long and they basically tossed it into the sea?
1: Well, they, they don't have a Bill of Rights, as we understand it. And so a lot of the things that we take for granted do not exist in Great Britain. The same thing is true uh, in Europe. Remember, most of the law on the continent has its roots in the Code Napoleon. Yes. That's a different, that's a different approach to law, where you are guilty until proven innocent.
0: Well, that's something that uh, Nancy Pelosi agrees with because right. Napoleon would be one of her heroes. You, you have a statue. Of, I have a statue of
1: Napoleon in my house. Napoleon was a much better human being than Pelosi. I,
0: I like Napoleon a little bit that I knew about it, until I found that there were people who hate him. I didn't. I had no idea he was seen as the Hitler of his time, by the way, well, by, by many Europeans.
1: Well, especially the British. You know. Colonel, always
0: enlightening, not a pleasure, never a pleasure to be with you.
1: Okay. <laughs> can't help it
0: but, but always enlightening and uh, i admire you enormously and i hope you keep this uh, this drumbeat going because i do think that you are making a big difference i know you're appearing widely now and people are taking you much more seriously than they did initially where they said you were this and that i think your message is resonating it's 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 seeping out of the what should we say the the social media Which is, you're not being interviewed by CBS Nightly News, are you? No,
1: that hasn't happened yet.
0: (laughs) Well, well, I haven't come around to vilify you. Be careful.
1: (laughs) Well, thanks very much. And God bless you and everybody listening.
0: Colonel, thank you very much. I really appreciate your time. I genuinely do. And thanks for being with us. Savage. Well, thank you very much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it and learned something from it.